Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. Abba, we thank you for your presence this morning and for your goodness and your love. And we pray that uh, your word would go forth from Zion to encourage and edify and build up your people, O God. And we thank you for the reality of your faithfulness. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Adonai is my light and salvation. Whom do I need to fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers assailed me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war breaks out against me, even then I will keep trusting. Just one thing have I asked of Adonai. Only this will I seek. To live in the house of Adonai all the days of my life. To see the beauty of Adonai and visit in his temple. These are the opening lines of Psalm 27, traditionally recited every day during the month of Elul, yes, today being the first day of Elul. Elul is the last month of the year in the calendar cycle, and so we are orienting our hearts toward Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It is a time for taking stock, for pause, for allowing God to examine our hearts. It is a time for re-examining our priorities. Where should we devote our attention and our energy? What are things in our lives that are hindering us, stopping us in our walk with God. King David, in verse 4 of Psalm 27, he said this, Just one thing have I asked of Adonai, only this will I seek, to live in the house of Adonai all the days of my life, to see the beauty of Adonai and visit in his temple. The month of Elul is a great time to unpack this idea. I mean, we're going to be saying this psalm traditionally perhaps every day of the month of Elul. So let's, let's think about this. What does it mean to live in the house of Adonai and specifically to see his beauty? And why is this the one thing that David is seeking?
David uh, uh, mentions the temple, so we will start there. The worship service that we do here at Tikvat Israel, um, that is the, the liturgy, uh, the prayers that uh, Eric led us in this morning, and uh, the musical worship. This is centered on and based on the idea of the ancient temple in Jerusalem. Remember, the temple and the tabernacle before it had the center of God's presence. It had the Ark of the Covenant and had a place for animal sacrifice. And uh, the temple had a place for musical worship. We see this, um, David preparing the musicians and uh, and they sang in his time and then When his son Solomon built the temple, there were musicians, right? Just like we had, probably with very similar instruments, right? They had a, they have an electric guitar, maybe not electric. It's like a harp or something like that, right? Okay? But uh, we understand this is where it comes from. It comes from the temple. Um, And this is how the Lord solved the problem of he, he, him being a holy and pure presence before Israel, he solved that with the temple so that God could dwell among us and, and chiefly through the sacrificial system. And even after the temple was destroyed, um, rabbinic Judaism, it developed prayers and chants and songs which uh, corresponded to the times and the ideas of the sacrifices in the temple. I don't know if we realize this, but the synagogue liturgy that we have, it corresponds to the temple. Worship has always been based on that. Our service here at Tikvot Israel is, uh, is based on the temple worship. So what does that mean? We have the presence of God uh, that we are seeking, uh, the sacrifices and the prayers and the songs. It all looks back to that time. As for the animal sacrifices, um, the rabbis traditionally taught that these were effective because of another sacrifice, and that would be the near sacrifice of Isaac, if we remember that story. And so, um, in rabbinic thought, the, uh, the, the rabbis taught that these were effective because of him. And so, the righteousness and trust of Avraham, Abraham, his father, we are connected to that. That is, they believed we are cleansed from our sins, not really from the animal sacrifices per se, but what they point to. And that is, we are participating in the Isaac story, remember, which is a fuller meaning of the sacrifices in the temple. And this is a rabbinic thought. So even in rabbinic Judaism, there is recognition of this idea, right? And we as Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles recognize the fullness of trusting in the atoning death of Yeshua, that this is what the the temple sacrifices were pointing to. That's what they were longing for. Um, But they are only complete and perfect um, in in Yeshua at reconciling us back to God. So the priests were interceding for the rest of Israel. They were doing the sacrifices. They were standing in for them. They were praying for them. And we understand that Israel as a whole was a kingdom of priests, 
right? So their worship at the temple, all of Israel intercedes for who? Yeah, all the nations. That's right. So the temple is centered on adoring God, worshiping God, and also there's an intercession element, right? So when we come together to chant our prayers and to sing our songs, ours is the same purpose. We are here to worship, to adore the Lord, and to pray for the Jewish people and the nations. You see that in our liturgy, if you take a look at the words, that's what is going on there. The idea is that through the prayers and songs, we enter into the presence of God and we behold his beauty, right? This is what King David longed for. The one thing, the only thing he wanted, right, was to see God's beauty. But how is God beautiful, Right? Is he, is he beautiful in the same way that, say, Eric Friedman is beautiful? Is it, is it the same thing? Well, perhaps, perhaps. Um, there are a few words in Hebrew to describe the idea of beauty. And one is hadar. Hadar. Let's say that together. Hadar. Okay. And this means uh, majesty, and beauty, honor, and splendor. And uh, uh, one verse that uh, mentions Hadar is Leviticus 19.32, and this is what it says. If we can read it. V'hadarta, let's try that. Panay zakain. One more time. V'hadarta Panay zakain. And what does that mean? Honor the face of the aged. Honor the face of the aged. Interesting, okay? And the word uh, zakain, uh, the last word, means aged, but it also means what? Means elder, right? That's the word for uh, elder, both in uh, age and also for the elders of a community. So Eric is now an elder. So would this apply to you, do you think? Right? Okay, very good. So check, we got that. Okay. So, um, um, and Hadar, um, the word for honor here, it also, as I said, its root means what? What is the root of, of that Hadar word? Beauty. Interesting, right? So we could read this verse as ascribe beauty and majesty to the face of the elder, right? Is this something that we want to do? Well, the Torah tells us, so we probably should. So, so far, so good for Eric. How are you feeling, Eric? All right, feeling pretty good, okay? But there's a clue here that um, the word in Hebrew for beauty, and there's other words, um, that it's not in the same category uh, in the Torah as they are for us, when we say or uh, think about the word beauty, um, we think of perhaps something different than what they were talking about, okay? Beauty in America, modern-day America, is associated with the opposite of this, probably. I would say it's associated with what? Youth, right? 
right? And that's why we have all the ads for rejuvenating face creams, right? To be, to be beautiful, to be younger, right? And of course, uh, the ads I keep getting, uh, Rogaine, for some reason, keeps popping up on my computer. I don't know where, what Google is thinking, okay? But, um, but beauty in the Torah, it's, it's closer to this idea of this verse that we mentioned. And what is that? It's the majesty and wisdom of the aged or the elder, right? Does that make sense? Okay. So we understand the beauty of the Lord is more than something physical that we would think, right? It's his majesty, his character, his transformative love, his faithfulness, his joy. Just to name a few, you could probably go on, right, in your, in her, in your own head. And I encourage you to do that uh, this Shabbat, to think about his beauty. Our worship in song and prayers is a way to activate our souls and connect us to the worship and intercession of that ancient temple. And in a sense, to participate in the worship of the heavenly temple. Remember, that temple was just a, a copy of something that is going on in heaven, right? Where the angels are worshiping the Lord, adoring him. And so a lot of our prayers connect to that as well. Our liturgy takes us back to the temple and the first synagogues, right? Once there was no more temple, there were um, places of worship uh, where Jews would gather. And uh, you wouldn't just barge on in to the presence of God. There's kind of a journey associated with the temple that they did in um, the synagogue, which we do today, right? We start off with a call to worship, right? We have some prayers to orient us. And then we move into the Shema, right, which is a central confession of faith. And we have other confessions of faith that we proclaim about God to, to get us centered on him. And then we move into the Amidah, which is uh, what? What is the Amidah? The standing prayer, right? And this goes back to Second Temple Judaism. These, these go back, right? Because they are tried and true ways of connecting with the Lord. Uh, they, these center our attention on God, and they affirm his attributes and his action in the world. If we think about the liturgy that we said, what are we saying? We're saying Hashem is faithful. We're saying Hashem raises the dead. We're saying that Hashem is our God alone, the only God that we worship. We're saying Hashem is merciful. We're saying he's a good father. Do we remember saying these things about a half hour ago? Yes? Yeah, okay, so that's, that's the purpose of them, okay? And... Um, the center of the Amidah, the standing prayer, there is a confession, and we say one word three times. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Kadosh, 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 which means what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. This is perhaps the center of our proclamation of his beauty. He is he is full of majesty and holiness and pureness, and he is unlike any other. Amen? All right. Of course, we cannot live our entire lives singing songs and saying prayers in the temple 
and we presume neither could King David. There were other things on his agenda. So how could he live out his desire to live in the house of God all his days and to dwell with God and yet still do other things, right? I'm sure he was a king. He got, probably got a lot of mail that he needed to read and sift through. Maybe not email, but uh, whatever they had. Uh, did they have pigeons back then? I don't know what they did, right? But he had king, kingly duties, right? Um, so, so how did he balance those things? Rav uh, Carl Kinbar, one of my professors at the seminary where I'm studying, he, uh, he put it like this. He said, most people try to put God first and then compared to every other slice of their life. So they think about it kind of separated, like my relationship with God here that I put first, right? And then I kind of take care of everything else after that. And he said um, what he recommends Um, It's better to make God first within every slice of your life, right? So how can we, therefore, honor God in our work, right? How can we honor God in our resting? Uh, uh, How do we honor God in our families and in our worship, in our chores, laundry, in our eating meals, right? Right? How do, we, how do we honor the Lord in those things? I think that uh, is a very wise counsel from Rav Carl in thinking about how we um, bring this idea from King David into our lives. Does that make sense? You still with me? All right. So my sense is that this is how King David went about his life. Scripture says he was a man after God's own heart. Right. And David pursued God, therefore, in every area of his life. And even when he messed up, uh, he repented and he sought the Lord even in his mistakes, in his shortcomings. And by God's loving kindness, Hashem enables us to reset when we orient our lives to him, when we focus on him. So we have seen that Elul this month is a season to recalibrate and focus on worshiping God in whatever we do, seeing his beauty, that is his majesty and goodness, and putting him first in every area of our lives. And this brings us to the natural consequence of seeing the beauty of God. Genesis 1.27 says that we are made in God's image, male and female, okay? And so, how literal can this be? Because males and females have a different physical image, right? I don't, I don't have to go over that with you. you. We have an understanding of this, right? So, um, so, what does it mean that we're made in his image, therefore? And it means that we are made to reflect his beauty and his majesty and his value, Right? Like the moon reflects the light of the sun. Or the same way you can see uh, parents in the image of their children. We reflect the beauty of God. And that means that your value and your worth and your beauty and your goodness were put in you by the Creator. 
And as we gaze upon his beauty and his worth, we are in turn infused with that innate worth and value. Does that something like, sound like something that we want as his children? Yes. There are, there are other things, right, in history that have been adored, that have been worshipped. There are other things that we could potentially uh, adore or worship. Speaking of these other images, Psalm 115 verses 2 through 8 compares them, these other things, to the God of Israel. Okay, and this is what it says. Thanks, Gordon. Why should the nations ask, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Their idols, these are the other images, are mere silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. With their throats, they can't make a sound. And the people who make them will become like them, along with everyone who trusts in them. Notice the last verse. Those who make and trust in idols, other images, become like them. That is, we reflect whatever we worship. We reflect what we adore. And we are made in the image of the God of Israel. And it is our destiny and our purpose to worship him alone. And it is there that we will flourish in the beauty and the goodness that God created us to walk in. I want to encourage all of us during this month of Elul to really seek the Lord, to consider our allegiance to other images, and to set them aside so that we can be transformed into His image. Let us sing songs and read through the other psalms this month to get a sense of the beauty of God. The rabbis say that the month of Elul stands for, uh, it's Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, uh, stands for a phrase, Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li. I am my beloved's and he is mine from the Song of Solomon. And yes, it is up here on our chuppah in Hebrew if you'd like to take a look at it. Okay? Why is this associated with this time? I am my beloved's and he is mine. Because we gaze upon the beauty and majesty of the Lord, and we are affirmed, therefore, in our own beauty, our own worth. We are his. We belong to our beloved, the Lord, the beautiful one, the holy God of Jacob. I'd like to, uh, us to close now. I've invited the worship team back up, and uh, I'd like us to sing together the song we sang 
Um, it was the last uh, uh, song we sang for our worship, our music time. Do you remember what this is? What did we sing? How great is our God. And uh, I'm going to be down here in front of the Bema, and, um, and I'll, I'll, I'm willing to pray with you on this, uh, the things that I've talked about. But let's um, think about the majesty and the beauty of Hashem as we sing together. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, guys.
please uh, rise as you're able for the ironic blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you shalom through the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. And in his name we pray. Amen.